All right, welcome back to the I'm There podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. And today, we are going to be talking about the Marvel show, Loki. Uh, this came out a few months ago. I think it came out a few months ago. It's been a while now, I feel like. I think it's, it's, I think it's been a year. It might have been. I actually don't know when it came out. I uh, can't believe. I legit thought we did an episode on it. We did I not. completely... I we can't believe it. we did it. We, we did it. talk about it. I thought we did a whole episode on it, and then... The one episode we did, we you were like, I don't know. You mentioned that we didn't do an episode on it yet, and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I think it came out. You know what? I remember now because we have this picture up in the background, and it says streaming June 9th. You can't see it because it's cropped. But when I first downloaded the picture, it says streaming June 9th. So this came out over a year ago now. Anyways, I enjoyed this show a lot. This was the show that I enjoyed the most out of all the Marvel shows I've seen so far, even as of today's date, which is June 2022. Uh, so even though it's a year old, I like this more than all of them. I'm not saying that it is necessarily the best of the Marvel shows, I but I, I enjoyed this one way more than all of them. I think WandaVision is still a, like a secondary for me, but I like this one quite yeah, a bit. WandaVision is probably second for me as well. I think the reason I, there's a lot of reasons why I like this show, but one of the reasons why I do think it's legit the best one is that uh, if the show... It's probably like the show that has the most, and not even just show, including all of the movies. It's one of the m- most impactful pieces of the Marvel Universe in terms of its entire storyline. The things that happen in the show, especially at the end, and what it goes on to affect the rest of the Marvel Universe going forward is like one of the most impactful events in the entire series. I agree with you, and this can be a good thing and a bad thing, though. Uh, yeah. And I say that because one of the things about Loki that it establishes. So we're just going to throw it out there. Spoiler alert for anybody who doesn't know what we're about to talk about. We're literally going to go over the entire season. So if you haven't seen it yet, you know, that's your fault. Anyways, uh, this show establishes that everything that we've seen up until this point has literally been predetermined by the one who shall remain nameless, the one who remains, whatever you want to call it, Kang. Like he goes by many different names, but essentially everything that has ever happened in every Marvel movie, Infinity War, Endgame, and everything in this show itself was orchestrated by some guy named Kang, who's at the end of time, orchestrating all the events that happened prior to it. So there's like predetermination, as in no free will. And this is a big debate that you have with like religion these days and predetermination and free will. Like, does free will actually exist if God knows everything that's going to happen, right? Like, people always talk about, oh, God knows me. He knows what I'm going to do. God knows everything. But if God knows everything, does that mean that you actually have free will at all? Uh, and this is yeah. a question that was posed to me when I was in high school, and I never forgot about it. And so this show it's a, brings it's a it cool back. philosophical like debate and thought experiment. Yeah. So because Kang literally, so in in this, this is a more extreme free will versus predetermination are uh, happening here because if you step out of line, so there's this thing called the was it like the perfect timeline or something, the sacred timeline? Yep. I think they refer to it as. Yeah. So there's this thing called the sacred timeline, which is everything that's supposed to happen according to Kang's will. And if anything deviates from that in any way, I'm talking about it could be they literally used the example at one point in the show that if somebody stepped on a wrong leaf, right, that could be considered a nexus event. A nexus event is 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 you uh, going off the sacred timeline, like something that literally goes in a different direction, takes a detour from the sacred timeline and causes events that are not supposed to take place in a whole different timeline to be birthed and it can just cause catastrophic catastrophic events according to him 
now. Yeah, something that I think is interesting, and <clears throat> it's been less than a year because I didn't see it when I came out, but yeah. it has been a bit since I watched it. But um, during the end there, first of all, do you know the name of the actor that uh, does Kang the Conqueror? No, I do not, but I've seen him in other stuff like Lovecraft Country. I don't know his name. So I just want to say, first of all, like I absolutely loved his acting. That that final episode that he's that his where name? you actually see him. His name is Jonathan Majors. Oh my god, Jonathan Majors. He was can't like I just loved his whole demeanor, the way he was acting, just yes. like the, oh, it was so I good. didn't expect him to be the way he is. He's he's very interesting. It's almost like so he's a person who's seen everything that's ever happened. He's been alive for he's, we can assume an extremely outrageously long time. The beginning of time he's, he's been alive. And at the very least, until the end of time. So yeah, and I'm not really sure how all of that works because he's also from specifically he's from the 31st century. So he's a thousand years ahead of mm-hmm. us, right? Like he he comes from the 31st 31st century, and so his technology is extremely advanced compared to ours, and everything about him is extremely advanced. I don't know how aging works and how death works a thousand years from now, as far as the Marvel universe goes, but very clearly he's discovered some way to be immortal and and in a, in a way. As, as opposed to uh, people who just kind of age out and die. He can be killed, which, as we saw, Sylvie does end up killing him at the end, which he wants. But, yeah. but at the same time, uh, he, doesn't, does, he doesn't just die from being alive for a long time, which is insane. Yeah. He's seemingly immortal, but not invulnerable. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, like that kind of way. So, yeah, he, he's pretty ridiculous. His acting was really good because... It's almost, I'm trying to compare him to like the Joker or the Riddler. He just has this. He does have that weird quirky quality to him. He's very interesting. And the other thing that's cool is like the climax of the show, the final episode, it's like crescendo basically, is essentially a really long conversation. Yes. And it's done with such like tension and stakes. It just feels so good. And it's not like this big beam action sequence right because a lot of times in these shows you think about agatha all along and stuff like that versus the other vision that came out uh falcon and winter soldier them versus the super soldiers at the end and the evil captain america uh all (laughs) the other marvel shows essentially have some big baddie at the end that they fight and this one was just a conversation again about free will predetermination and what happens if I am not here to make sure that things go exactly as they should go, according to me? Dude, there's the moment, and I know we're jumping to the end here, but we'll talk about other stuff too. But there's a moment there at the end when he goes, when like he's sitting there and you see him and he's like, I don't know what's going to happen. He's like, as of, you know, six, <laughs> seven, eight, nine, ten seconds ago, yeah. like I no longer, like the script is no longer written. Like I don't, and you see it on his face, like, this is the first time in who knows how long where he doesn't know what's going to happen yes, next. Yes, and it makes him very happy. So even even at the end point when they finally get to him, uh, he dodges Sylvie's attempts to kill him. She blatantly tries to kill him in the elevator, and he just teleports away. And then she tries to kill him a couple other times and hit him, and he just completely teleports away. And he says, it's really because I actually know that you are going to do that. And they don't believe him, but then he has a stack of papers, like a script, an actual fucking movie script stack of papers and he pulls one up he's like hey it's right here and he slides it over to them and everything that they said before he slid that paper was on it like literally everything that they had said already was there so it this wasn't something too crazy because in episode one 
Loki was given a script of his entire life that he had to sign off on. When he first got to the TVA, the agency that essentially is there to make sure that everything goes according to Kang's plan, uh, he was given a manuscript of everything he's ever said. And yeah. I'm not really sure what they want him to do with that. I kind of consider it like <laughs> terms and conditions when you when you just accept terms and conditions and that shit's long as hell and you got to scroll and scroll and scroll and no one actually reads it. I feel like it was one of those kind of moments, which was funny to me because how am I going to literally validate that that is everything I said? Like, oh, I didn't say that. That one right there is wrong in 1967. Yeah. Like, I never how said am I gonna, everything I've ever said in my entire life up to this point, like. That would take my entire life to read through. Yes. So it was wild, but he signs off on it. And so when at the end, uh, Kang has this, you know, stack of papers and he's like, hey, this is everything that has happened up until this point. He's like, but I don't know what's going to happen now. This is as far as I know. And so he was really excited about it. And he even told them, look, my origin story is I was from the 31st century. We discovered that there is another universe. Right. And he they he does this little like molding clay trick where he shows like universes layered on top of each other it's like three of them yeah and he says we all discovered each other around the same time and so we started to work with each other to give each other the best technology from each universe so like i have this you have that we we trade and we essentially make our universes better those are the good versions of me that wanted to do that but then there are versions of me that are not so good and they actually want to conquer the other universes instead and so i've been keeping them in check this whole time by manipulating this shadow beast thing called Eliath. He found a way to harness the power of this thing that's at the end of time that exists in this domain called the Void. And by using Eliath, he's been able to kind of like, anything that he doesn't like, he can send it to the Void and it will literally get swallowed up by this creature that seems, at the time, before we saw them enchant it and all that stuff, it seemed like something that I, I don't really know what you could do to it, but I mean, it, it clearly can be affected by not only Kang, but also someone on Loki's level, which I assume is much lower than Kang's. Yeah. So something that's something I was going to mention a bit ago. Uh, I don't remember how clear they make this, but it seemed to me from what I remember that although Kang or the one at the end of time can pretty much affect everything in terms of the free will and predeterminism, I think that, it's possible that he didn't, maybe not, because it seemed as though his main goal was to stop any branches that would then lead to, like, him being created again. Because, like, if there's only one of him in one timeline, then that universe, the multiversal war can't happen again. Right. And so it creates an interesting thing where, like, maybe certain people, let's say Captain America, were given some level of free will, but if they had done something that, triggered whatever he would go back and rewrite it and like stop that from happening yeah the the problem is the problem is he he's so extreme though and and how you can't deviate at all and this is one of the things that can be kind of problematic about the show because they again they say that even if someone stepped on a leaf that they weren't supposed to right they're considered now a variant and they have to be (laughs) this word that they use pruned i think that shit is so funny so let's take it all the way back to episode one. Uh, yeah. Episode one takes place in 2012, where at the end Avengers Endgame, Loki escapes that scene, which was it's so cool how they tied these things into these Marvel yeah. shows. It's one of the things that I like a lot. They bluntly opened the show with the scene from 2012, where the Avengers and Endgame went back to 2012 to get the Time Stone, or not the Time Stone, they went back to get the, uh, the Space Stone, uh, which is in the Tesseract, and 
they accidentally, you know, drop it right next to Loki. He picks it up and teleports away with it. And then they're forced to go even further back to get that version of the, the space stone. Right. And so the show picks up right where Loki teleported away, which is exactly something that Loki would do. It was one of the weird things about the show is that this caused him to supposedly deviate from the sacred timeline. But it's like, if Loki had an opportunity to escape capture, this is exactly the type of thing that Loki would do. Like, yeah. What's interesting is that, th- so they talk about throughout the show that there's a ton of Lokis that they've chased that they try to prune because apparently just Loki in general, the type of person he is, yeah. he is always causing these kind of mischiefs. And he's like the person <laughs> in the multiverse that deviates the most. Yes. Like he, he deviates <laughs> from the timeline the most. Like he just is nonsense. So it's in his nature to basically become a variant at some point. And this is one of the Lokis that, you know, has yet to become a variant. So when he takes the Tesseract, teleports away in Avengers Endgame, uh, that starts this show. He ends up in some desert. I forget exactly what country it's in, but he ends up in the desert and he runs across some humans. He starts telling them, I'm like a god, bow before me, you know, Loki, Loki shit. And I think one of the reasons why I find this show, it's my favorite because I think Tom Hiddleston, the actor who actually plays Loki, uh, I just think that he is so fucking funny. Like, as a person, this guy, to me, is just hilarious. The TVA pulls up on him, right? They come out of the portals, and he's talking, he's popping shit, you know, he's like, well, who are you people, or whatever. And uh, he immediately tries to, to I, I guess, attack one of the hunters, or TVA agents, and they hit him with their little pruning stick, but the back end of it, not the side that prunes you. And he gets frozen, in a way, he's at 116th of normal time so you see him getting hit in real time but it's in slow motion and his cheeks are like flapping from the hit it looks so fucking funny and she's like you're gonna feel that in one sixteenth time uh in real time though so it's like he's constantly feeling it i guess which is yeah. torturous reminds Something, me of bleach so on the note of you saying this is one of your favorite shows because of the actor tom hiddleston an amazing actor but also I think this show has some of the best inter- supporting cast of any other show. Something Agreed. that infuriates me about most Marvel shows and movies is that there's always a B plot or a C plot that has characters in it that I are unbearable. For yes. example, in WandaVision, the girl Darcy, like every scene she's in, I'm, I I do not fucking care about. The fucking Who's Darcy? Gen- Darcy, she's from Thor. And she's in WandaVision. She's just like a nerd girl that like does stuff. Oh, and she like yeah, I don't care. She's for just, her either. she's irrelevant. The fucking evil white military man. Like, yeah, yeah, you're you're right though. I like, don't care for those sub- subplots. Those subplots and sub characters usually bring down whatever movie they're in or whatever show they're in a lot. And they're in that. They're in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yep. And in this show, the sub characters actually don't think bring the show down. I think Owen Wilson does incredible. Really great acting in the show. Uh, he's only the last episode, but uh, Kang yeah. is a really great actor. And then all of the characters in general, like there's no subplots in the show that I feel like completely deviate and really drag the show down. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that Loki is one of the few shows uh, in this type of genre where most of the characters are just there for the main storyline because there's one main story being told in Loki season one. Yeah, and that's just this idea of the TVA existing at all. Like we we knew nothing about this. You know, we went through all of the movies leading up to Endgame. Endgame is over. The major threat is defeated, and everyone can go back to living their lives the best they can after the five year blip. But then 
Now you hear about this organization uh, that's kind of above everything. And so much so, and this is one of the biggest things that came out of the show, that they have a drawer full of Infinity Stones. Dude, people were fuming. There were so many people that are angry, like, oh my god, the Infinity Stones are paperweights. That doesn't... That, and literally, like, that's what the guy says. And the guy is kind of a dunce. I'll use that word as a way to describe him. But the guy they have is a receptionist, essentially. You can tell that he's a little off. Uh... But he has a job, and he opens the drawer when Loki threatens him, talking about fish and all. I'll turn you into a fish, and he's like, "What's a fish?" So he doesn't he doesn't know basic things, right? And he opens the drawer, and there's there's a ton of of Infinity Stones. Loki sees them, and obviously to him, this is insane, right? Like this is insane. Yeah. But the guy's reaction to it is just like, "Oh, yeah, these these are just like paperweights." And yeah. I understand the outrage because I remember when this episode first aired, people were like, "This undermines." the entire last section of Marvel, like the entire Marvel universe that we've seen up until this point, this literally has undermined the entire thing that the whole thing was about the infinity stones and how powerful yeah. they were. And Thanos, entire life was based on getting these stones and cutting the population of the universe in half. And the Avengers fought so fucking hard. People died just to stop these stones from doing what they're supposed, well, what they did in Thanos's hands. Uh, all for us to find out that there not only are multiple copies of them, I guess, but they're just kind of like in this world, wherever the TVA exists at, whatever that that realm that it exists in, they don't do anything there. They have no power there. Yeah, I, I find that interesting though, because like it's it's only that realm. Like if they if that if they were outside that realm, obviously they would be yeah, they would be stuff. ridiculous, right? But it's that realm where they they hold no value. But also, like it makes sense if there's a multiverse, there's multiple versions of these Infinity Stones. Yeah. And uh, I, I also think it's cool because it's it goes on to show that like we're moving on to the next part of the storyline. Yes. You could also argue it's like a bit of power scaling. Like it, I think I think power scaling immediately. Right. We watch a lot of anime. Dragon Ball Z yeah. comes to mind. Uh, they beat one villain like Frieza, and then you get Cell. Yep. And yep. so you you have to establish a new villain who is more ridiculous than the last villain. I guess that's just the nature of everything. I think everything that we've ever watched really goes like that if it continues long enough. It's not even yeah. just it's not even just anime. It's really everything when I think about it now. Like for example, uh let's look at Game of Thrones. Like the first the first villains in the show are humans. And then at some point at the end of the series, the villains are white walkers that are coming beneath like they're they're going through the wall. And then dragons, like yeah. they they narrow us on fucking dragons. So at some point, the scaling just and this, like I, I want to use this example because this this show is pretty Game of Thrones is pretty grounded compared to Marvel, right? But it just shows like scaling in general. Things have to get more ridiculous over time because that's just the nature. Humans is kind of what we do anyway. Like in the thirty first century, yeah. where Kang comes from, look at the shit that he can do. I mean, look at even in Marvel before the Loki, right? So there's WandaVision and then Falcon and then Loki, right? So before Loki. I think one of the problems with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, when you watch it, is it's just a very grounded, normal show. Yeah. And you just got done watching. Like, when you watch all the other crazy shit that happens in Marvel and all the superpowers and the laser beams and the going to space and the aliens, when you just watch six episodes of a spy movie, it's kind of like, eh. Yeah. Like, you feel like there's not really real consequences here, because realistically... 
what the fuck are these people going to do? Like, is anything any of these super soldiers doing going to matter? That, like, yeah, I agree. I mean, imagine I'm trying to fight against Wanda or Scarlet. Yeah, Witch. like, like you could have a million super soldiers. They're going to get blinked out of ex- like they don't matter. Doctor Strange, like Scarlet Witch, like they 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 no diff these things. Like they it doesn't, literally it just no doesn't matter. It, yeah. So we, I mean, we just saw Doctor Strange and. Not just so, but like when it came out and you see how powerful Scarlet Witch is, you see how powerful Doctor Strange is and things like that. Some of the more grounded ones don't hold up after having seen Thanos. And I think that that's something that the post Endgame Marvel Universe has suffered from a bit is we really don't have a major villain to either root for or, or wonder about yet. Uh, Kang is in this series at the very end, but then he gets, you know, killed. And then uh, supposedly there's going to be other versions of him that come out of somewhere. And this has yet to be revealed in any other Marvel movie or show. Like so really? What I understand, Ant-Man 3, which I don't know the release date on it, but Kang the Conqueror is supposed to be the main villain of Ant-Man 3. Okay. So he's gonna make an appearance soon. And I heard that yeah. too on I think on IGN. I saw something about Marvel is ready to pretty much get us into the next phase for real. I think all of this is an in-between. It's kind of like after yeah, you get done yeah, reading yeah. an arc in an anime, you read the manga, you finish an arc, and then there's that period before the next arc starts where it just kind of feeds you a bunch of information to transition you into the next arc. Like, I think people think that all the movies we saw after Endgame are kind of part of the next arc, but I think more so they're kind of getting us ready for it. set up, right? Like, yeah. if you look at uh, Far From Home, or not Far From Home, No Way Home. Yeah. If you look at No Way Home, great movie, Spider-Man, etc., but that movie is a result of the events of <clears throat> Loki. Yes. Right? Like that movie only exists if you think about it, because Loki happened, the timeline got split, the multiverses were allowed to be like recreated or like re-exist, and then you were able to have all these Peter Parkers. That's just a side effect of Loki. And then all these things in between, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, these are like the in-between setup for yeah. what we assume to be the next big part of marvel and i think marvel really wants to establish this multiverse thing because this concept for people who do not read comics at all let's think about the the average person who yeah, just yeah, watches yeah. marvel movies but doesn't really care about the comics they got into it because the movies are really but not for you kids. and me you and me are super nerds we watch anime yes. we re- like so um a multiverse concept to us like you we can figure it's it out very like, regular for me it's easy yeah but for my dad like he's not gonna you're going to, you need a couple movies and shows yes. for my dad to get behind the multiverse. Yeah, the idea of a multiverse, you can't just spring that on people at once and be like, okay, we're going to give you one show or one movie about it, and then everything after that is just going to be that. You have to understand that from the gate. They, they've been spamming the idea of a multiverse in every movie since Endgame. It's just been yeah. being spammed constantly. So that way, when they get into, I guess, the nitty-gritty of it all, we won't be super confused on like, wait, why is there multiple versions of this character? I thought that this guy mm-hmm. died. Like when you see like somebody who died, if you see them come back, I even said this is a great way for them to bring Captain America back into this. If they want to, if they want yeah, to bring yeah. back an Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr., they could have them make cameos, maybe not necessarily completely bring them back into the MCU. But at some point I expect, because it's going to be great. You saw what it did for uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield at some point. I expect to see Robert Downey Jr. again in the MCU. Yeah, same. If it's not like the exact one, like it's going to be an alternate universe version of yes of um, Tony Stark, and yeah. it'll give them a chance to ha- to do that actor again, and then for everybody to get hype and yep. So okay, we were talking about how to, the the Infinity Stones were pretty much undermined in this, and I want to say 
I, I get it, right? Like, if I want to play Devil's Advocate, I totally understand the idea of it, it undermining the entire last saga of the MCU. But at the same time, it also puts into perspective how in the universe that the MCU takes place in uh, up until this point, these things were considered so significant. And then you look outside of that and they're just kind of whatever. And there is a certain coolness about how severe and crazy people go about the infinity stones in this particular, in this particular universe and how insignificant they can be somewhere else. Like that, that is a concept that I, I expect a God, right? If you believe in that type of thing, I expect that God would be above something like the infinity stones. Like that's exactly the type of thing that you should expect from someone who, because Kang is essentially, for all intents and purposes, he is the closest thing akin to God. Think about this, right? As we all love that Thanos is amazing, right? But at the end of the day, as great as Thanos was, he was still someone that existed in our period in the 21st century. Yes, Kang is not only from a thousand years further than that. Yeah, he's also. In his timeline, a thousand years in the future, was like the smartest super scientist of that timeline. Yes. Was able to figure out all this time travel. And so Kang is like so far ahead of Thanos just by, you know, multiple things. The fact that he's a thousand years in the future. And even in that timeline, he was so much smarter. So, like, yeah. as much as we love Thanos, it makes sense that somebody like Kang can have a realm or exist in a space where, like, the Infinity Stone, something that Thanos himself like wanted so badly that it kind of doesn't matter as much to him because he's seen more, existed through more things. Yeah, and- I, I totally agree. I mean, yeah, it's kind of crazy that they don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. I think they want to make sure that we as viewers don't care about them either because a lot of people would say, oh man, how come they won't just go to a timeline and get some Infinity Stones to deal with this threat. They kind of want to make sure that we understand, and I think Loki established that with this scene, and the scene is not, they don't dwell on it for very long, it's kind of just like a a passing moment. Loki goes to this receptionist, he opens the drawer, you see a bunch of them, he's blown away by it, but then he kind of has this epiphany, like, holy shit. Because he has the same thing we we have. He has the, Loki goes through the same thing that we're going through, where he realizes, like, whole, like, the world, the whatever you want to call it, is bigger yes. than what we thought it was. That's the point. The universe is bigger than what you thought it was. You thought that this was the most powerful thing in the, in the universe, and actually, it's just not. Uh, so that establishes that. I think it was really funny when they apprehended him. So the TVA apprehends Loki. They put him in handcuffs. They put a collar around his neck. He tries to run away, and they have this thing called a time pad where they can just keep bringing him back. Uh, he runs away, he teleports, and just ends up right back where he started. So it can kind of control the time on on a person if that collar's around your neck. And at one point, he's in line waiting to be processed. And the guy in front of him, they tell them to take a ticket. And the guy, for whatever reason, just says, like, I'm not taking a ticket. And so, <laughs> and so and Loki's thinking, like, well, fuck, I want to be rebellious, too, because, you know, Loki loves a good rebellion. So Loki's like, all right, well, fuck it, I'm not going to take a ticket either. And the guy gets up to the front in the courtroom and they're like, where's your ticket? And the guy doesn't have one. And they fucking, this is the first time you see somebody get pruned. <laughs> but, they, <laughs> but they put the stick on the guy. He gets deleted. Like, he, he literally becomes nothing. He gets pruned. And no one bats an eye. The judge, the fucking guards, the guy who pruned him. No one, no one makes any kind of fuss about it. It's just like a normal occurrence when this guy literally disintegrates into nothingness. So Loki sees that shit and immediately goes back and grabs the ticket. <laughs> I was dying. I love that scene so much because that's, I kind of get it. Like, I would want to be rebellious too, 
But as soon as you see something like that, you're like, oh, fuck that. I, I need this ticket. So it's really interesting <laughs> to me that like a god, because Loki is a god, but I think that this show really, for lack of better words, it humanizes him. Yeah, it really humanizes him uh, in an interesting way because normally when we see Loki, he has all these powers and magic and uh, illusions and all types of stuff he could do, right? I mean, he he literally fights Thor in the first Avengers. Like he's actually he scales super strength, all that stuff, like everything you would need to fight Thor, the God of Thunder. Thor is ridiculous. He's one of the most powerful yep. characters in the entire MCU and one of the most powerful Marvel characters. Period. And Loki's able to fight him. Period. So Loki is extremely powerful too, just to scale him. So that people don't look at this show and think, well, Loki loses to regular humans because for all intents and purposes, the TVA hunters or agents, they're actually just humans that were stolen yeah. from a timeline. There's nothing special about them as far as like durability, power. Yeah, it's speed. just that the realm they exist in. I think they say like magic doesn't exist there. It like they not. just you just can't do anything there. And then on top of that, they have technology in order to rein you in, even if you can do anything. Yeah. So like. On Earth, Loki can deal with them, right? So if they if they leave yeah. outside of the TVA realm, he can do all of his magic, all of his tricks, which is interesting because for whatever reason, they got the jump on him. Uh, when they first captured him, I guess he didn't expect them to have anything like that that could completely nullify his ability so fast when they hit him with the, the pruning stick and he got s- slow motioned. But if he knew, he would have just used his powers and not let that happen. Because we see later on, Sylvie, the female Loki, she kills TVA agents like regularly she kills them yeah. she captures them she enchants them so they're not particularly durable or powerful at all they're actually just regular people they just have on this fucking swat gear and they have this stick that's the stick itself is broken like the stick can send yeah. you to the edge of time the void and you they get, have they have equipment that that'll do that oh my god actually that's so cool because when you first see it right in episode one when you see that guy get deleted you think like this guy is doesn't exist anymore yes. but actually he gets sent to a place yeah it gets revealed way later um it's yeah, really interesting too the way of the show because ty- when it ends up happening you think like there's certain characters that die in quotes but then you realize that because they get hit with that stick and you realize they didn't die they got sent to this yeah they didn't die place. immediately let's say that <laughs> because yeah. because the unfortunate part that we find out later is that so okay let's let's talk about this trial the guy uh, who gets deleted, you know, Loki sees that and then now it's Loki's turn to go to trial and it's a mock trial for all intents and purposes. It is not a real fucking trial at all. I actually don't even know the point of it because he gets to the front and they're like, all right, you deviated from the sacred timeline. Uh, do you agree with this? He's like, no, I'm a god. And he starts to try to do magic and nothing happens. They actually look at him all crazy. He puts his hands out and it's funny. It looks funny when he doesn't have any powers because he's still <laughs> doing that. Imagine Doctor Strange moving as weird as he moves to do his magic, but nothing's happening. Yeah. He so just like looks like an asshole. You just look like an idiot. So Loki starts to do his little movements to conjure up some magic and nothing happens. And everyone's just looking at him. And they're like, so anyway, you're going to be pruned. And to me, it's like, what, what the fuck? What am I supposed to do? Like you told me I was guilty of this apparent crime. And if I say, uh, I don't, I don't think I did anything wrong. You're still like, yeah, you did. So let's, let's prune you. It's like, yeah, that's not really much of a trial. What, like I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed yeah, to get no, a lawyer. There's no trial here, right? Like yeah, they set it up I, in being, the courtroom, but it's not a real <laughs> trial. I'm being accused of a crime of laws that I didn't know existed. Yes, <laughs> and like, and the punishment is just technically death, not immediate death. You get sent to a realm where, if you're not a Loki level being, because the only people who are surviving in the void are other Lokis. Yeah, everyone else in the void, <laughs> they don't come back. Like Mobius tells us that everyone who gets sent there. They don't come back. 
Mobius comes in during his trial and he saves Loki from being pruned. He says, hey, I could use him to maybe discover what's going on with this other Loki. Because there's another yeah. Loki that we find out. There's this quick scene where Mobius is in his church in some random year because they can travel. The TVA people can travel to any year. And so they're in this far back time where this little girl has bubblicious, essentially. Something from the future. She has this bubble gum. It's called Kablooey or something like that. And uh, because she has this bubble gum, they realize that the Loki exists in this other timeline and she left this behind and they want to understand how this Loki thinks. So they use our Loki, the one that we've always known, Tom Hiddleston's character, to try to track down and think like a Loki so that they can find it uh, because she's causing problems. She also captured a TVA hunter, C-20, I think they call her. Uh, she captured this yeah. agent. And they're trying to figure out like what's her motive? What does she want to do? Like That's what does this Loki want to right? do? C twenty is the buff one. No, B one fifteen or B fifteen is the uh the the big one. Okay. The, the, you talking about the woman, like the black woman? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's B. She's like buff as shit. Yeah, B fifteen, I think they call her. And then C twenty is the uh she's like a light skinned black girl and she's she has like Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She's like curly it. hair, yeah. She she starts. She's the first one to start remembering her old life. Yes, all because Sylvie, the female Loki, enchanted her. And the only way you can enchant somebody, this series reveals, is if you use memories that they have, uh, and not you can't create memories for people. They, you have to use what's there. She says, like, I can't just make up shit. I have to use what you have. And so, to the TVA people, they were told that they were created for this purpose. They never knew that they had a life before becoming TVA agents, and that's like a big deal to them. Because essentially their whole existence is a lie. They had normal, their, regular lives. Their free will, so to speak, or like their just their whatever was stolen from yes. them. Like they they had a chance at being, or not even had a chance. They were something yes, else. They were, but someone. they were stolen from their lives for something as arbitrary maybe as having bubblegum from the future. And you don't know how to, you don't know how you got this bubblegum. Yeah. But like you'll be taken out of your life from your family, then brainwashed. And then convinced to be on like this sacred mission. Yep. So that gets revealed basically through uh, C20. You know, when they finally find her, she's saying it was real. It was real all over, you know, constantly. And they don't understand at the time. But I think what these shows do is like every episode four is a big revelation of some sort. Uh, you know, when we find out about the time, there's this mention of these people. So before you even hear about Kang, the TVA is known to be run by something called the Timekeepers. They're supposed to be the end all be all these crazy high beings that sit on his throne and they're the ones who pass down all the orders. They're the ones that the scary boogeyman, like you don't want to fuck over the timekeepers. If they say you get pruned, if they say you have to go, you have to go. And the whole time they're not even real. They're, it's, it's really wizard of Oz. Like, yes. When they finally get to them, it's very wizard of Oz. You look behind the curtain and this is a regular ass guy. In this case, they're, uh, what do they call it? Anamorphotronics or whatever. Like the same thing you see. Yeah, they're just, Chuck they're just e. like Cheese. robots. Yeah. yeah. Like the, those, have you ever been to Chuck E. Cheese? There are those fucking, I don't even know. There are these robots that are on stage and one of them plays the drums, one plays guitar and they look creepy as hell to me. When I was a kid, I was afraid of those things. They no, I didn't think they were me. creepy when I was, it's one of those things where I think time and the internet or something creates not fears, but it creates thoughts in your head where when I was a kid, Chuck E. Cheese and those animorph whatever, they I never thought they looked creepy. Yeah. But as I got older, I look at I think they look really <laughs> creepy now. I, but like I didn't think they were creepy when I was little. And I think it's you know like just I was talking about this the other day. 
You know that, um, I forget what it's called, but that phobia that people have of, like, a bunch of tiny holes? Uh, tri- oh, is it trigorophobia? Yeah, tri- tri- trippia, trypophobia or Yeah, something. some kind of phobia. I know what you're talking about, though. But that didn't exist. I promise you, that just didn't exist before the internet. But then the internet happened, and people were, like, shown pictures of a bunch of tiny holes, and... Now then, everyone's like, afraid it, of it. Trypophobia, yeah. yeah. now... Now everybody's, like, scared of it. But it wasn't, like, a thing people were scared of before. It was just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's but, unpleasant to look at, I'll say that. Like, not to get so off on too much of a tangent, but when I do see... Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I hate when people randomly share on Facebook or Instagram. This was a thing that happened years ago. I don't really see it anymore, but people would just share images of trypophobia stuff for no reason. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, just, yeah. Because it's it's unpleasant to the eyes. I would just unfollow that person. I won't unfriend them, but I'll just kind of unfollow them so I don't see any of their content. Because if you're, if you're that kind of troll... They just wants to make things unpleasant. It's like people who share gore when the, the, the Facebook gore yeah. year was happening. That's the thing. I think that the reason why I think it's like a almost manufactured phobia is yeah. like a lot of those images people shared like aren't real. Like the one of the most famous ones that gets shared is like it's like a hand it's literally a with hand, a bunch yeah. of holes in it. Like, but that's not a real picture. It's like a photoshopped picture. Yes, it's, or, it's hand and they like put, but it it looks unpleasant because it's a hand and it like creates a trigger yes. in your head. Have you ever seen the one of teeth? It's just a fucking ton of teeth in a mouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, the, instead of having the normal 30-something teeth that every other human has, they will have 60 teeth in their mouth. And yeah, then they all say that, oh, it's just this disease, this rare disease that exists that gives you a bunch of teeth, like extra teeth. And it's just an exaggerated version of this actual disease it looks ridiculous and it's really creepy looking and it's very unpleasant. And every time somebody shares something like that, I'm just like, yeah, no, I don't want you on my timeline because a lot of times when, when stuff like that happens, even though I'm not necessarily afraid of it, it'll just make my skin crawl for a while. Yeah. yeah, It gives you like a quick chill. Yeah. And I hate, I hate that having that for like a day or two until it's completely out of my mind. Like even right now, I'm almost annoyed that I even remember triple phobia. Yeah. Yeah. Thing yeah, yeah. Like, God damn well, it. my bad. No, it's okay. Like, all- I, I'm mad <laughs> enough to get past it. It's just like when you, know about it again now it's in your it's in the forefront of my mind now because we talked yeah. about it but yeah so all of that to say that's what the fucking watch is yeah the time timekeepers that's what they are they're not real they're androids they're robots uh they're nothing they're really just nothing but that's that's episode four so there's some stuff that happens before that uh at one point so mobius and loki they go into this little room and mobius is explaining to loki pretty much who he really is right like he if Loki yeah. was somehow unaware of himself, he tells him, you kind of go around causing chaos. That's your purpose. Your actual purpose is to cause chaos, to cause mischief, and also to elevate people to be their better self. It's like, that's yeah. kind of why sa- you exist. He, he says something. I don't, I don't think he says this exactly, but he essentially says like, you're the, you're always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Like you, yeah. o- like you're, you always make everyone else better, but you never achieve your goal. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a point where, uh, you know, Loki gets a hold of a time pad, uh, his own time pad, I guess, and he's able to kind of escape. This is when he runs into the receptions with the Infinity Stones, and at one point, he just goes back to the room that him and Mobius were in, and he starts to look at his life events, so he sees his mother dying, which brings some great sadness because he was the cause of that, and then he sees his father dying, and then last but not least, he sees the moment where he died to Thanos, and I don't know why, but when I watched this scene... Uh, I actually got sad too. And it's probably because the actor, like Tom, he does a really good job of looking sad in the moment. It's like he's about to cry. Like as Thanos is saying, you won't escape death this time, and he's about to snap his neck, he's watching it and he's starting to tear up as he's seeing it. And I don't know, something about him watching like his mom and his dad die, and then watching himself die. And he's obviously a narcissist. So his death 
was the one that was the biggest shock to him. But it really rubs him the wrong way watching these events. And he starts to tear up. And this is a guy who typically acts like he's unbothered by everything. It's part of his character. Almost nothing gets to him outside of like disrespect, of course. And then he always deals with that. But in this case, what? he's powerless. And he's also annoyed that like, this is all I amounted to. What's really interesting about it is they took kind of a risk, but I think it paid off in that. So that, you know, in the original timeline that we all watched and end game or not even before end game, Loki dies, right? Yeah. So when they made this Loki show, in a way, they took a Loki from 2012 before all of the character development of all of these movies. So they needed to find a way to speed run his character development. Because yep. they're taking a undeveloped Loki. And so they they took and I think they did a really well job of essentially speed running his character development. He doesn't end up exactly the same, but right. they show him all these things and it allows him to grow as a character fairly quick in episode one. But then that the rest of the series, he he grows even more and has arguably more development than the other Loki had throughout all of the movies. Like yeah, this Loki definitely turns out different body movie. and and we'll definitely get to that too because I mean, show. Yeah, I, I agree with you, though. This Loki definitely does uh, grow in a very different way than the Loki who's from, you know, whatever year Endgame takes place in, where he gets killed in Infinity War and all that stuff, right? Uh, so, yeah, Loki, he's watching these events. He gets sad. And at some point, him and Mobius reconnect, and he's given his jacket, his TVA jacket. You know, he's, like, not given a real position. I forget what his jacket says on the back of it, but it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a cool it's jacket. A- He's like an assistant, essentially. He's like a. It basically a temp. says like temp or something. Yes, he's yeah. basically a temp. So he goes to the library. They have this library that literally holds a record of everything that's ever happened. And there's this little orange clock creature thing, digital creature that's Miss called Minutes. Miss Minutes. Yes. Miss Minutes. Miss yeah. Minutes comes and she explains what a Nexus event is. She explains how timelines work and what happens when you deviate from timelines and why the TV exists in the first place and all of this stuff. Just to fill you in. So I'm sure if you guys watched the show, you already know all of that. Uh, but then it gets to a point where Loki realizes that the place that the other Loki is probably hiding in is doomsday scenarios. And this is like a big part of the show because a doomsday scenario is a scenario where it has to be kind of quick. Mobius explains that it has to be sudden. Everyone, no survivors, right? Like no one survives it. It's sudden and it has to be natural. Like something that's just like a natural. So a tsunami, for example, a tsunami hits, you know, some country wipes it out. Uh, the people couldn't really expect it, I guess, because the word sudden was used by Mobius for whatever reason. And if you go to that type of thing, let's say the TVA goes to that event and, or if anyone went to that event and they did anything, it wouldn't matter because everyone's going to die anyway. So they test this up. Deviate time. You can't create a branch in time because everything's going to, if, if meteors are going to hit the planet earth, doesn't really matter what the fuck I do to if I if I do or don't walk my dog. Yes. Like, so Loki dead. wants to test this. So him and Mobius go to Pompeii, and there is a volcano about to explode, right? And uh as it's about to explode, Loki tests the theory by saying, Hey, I'm from the future. He's jumping up and down. Also, they're dressed like people from our time. And the people in Pompeii are fucking, you know, wearing like rags, essentially. And he's jumping up and down, but people are screaming and they're running because the fucking volcano is going off and they're all about to die. And he's talking about being from the future and stuff, but no one pays him any mind. And he's like, see, it works. So that that's like the confirmation that doomsday scenarios are a place that the other Loki could go to. They could do whatever they want and there's no consequence and you guys can't track them because it wouldn't trigger a Nexus event. There's no Nexus event for me going to this place and staying. Like if I go, you know, 24 hours before Pompeii happens. 
and I start doing whatever I want, like you guys can't track me because this place is getting wiped out no matter what. Now, if I yeah, saved, if I saved someone, if I grabbed a human from there and took them away and I was like, I don't want you to die. I saved a, a child. Maybe I saw a baby about to be killed. And I'm like, you know what? I can't bear to see this. That will cause it to happen. But if you just yeah. go there and everyone dies the same way, it doesn't matter. But if you went there with a machine gun and killed 30 people the day before, like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. So they kind of established that that's how doomsday scenarios work with the sacred timeline. They don't really have an effect. Which is so, a, it's a pretty cool workaround. They have a show about time and time travel and like being able to track everything that happens through time. That is something that's really cool and interesting where like, if you want to hide from people that can track time, yeah. you hide in these places where like time basically doesn't matter. Cause time for everyone there ends. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a really cool workaround. Yeah, it is actually, it's not, you know, I always say, when anything decides to use time as a mechanic in any show or any movie, it can go terribly wrong. And we've seen it go yes. terribly wrong so many times. Some genres, some shows, some movies, they actually get it right. And some do not. Uh, I think mm. this show does a pretty decent job at trying to explain away a lot of the questions that people would have. Obviously, though, obviously, there are always going to be plot holes that people can point to. Uh, why didn't they just do this? Why didn't this happen? Etc. But they, they do try their best to explain it away. And as long as you don't try to make the show unfun for yourself, I think that you will enjoy it. Like if you don't go trying to blatantly look for plot holes, because I know that some, that's some people's mission, right? Is like, yeah. I want to expose why this is a bad show. And as long as that's not your goal, when you're watching this, I think that this, they do do a decent job at explaining how the fuck is this also, be hiding. And yeah. I also think when you have that mindset, you just end up nitpicking things that may not even be plot holes. Like yeah. I remember I saw back when I first saw this, I saw a video, forgive me. I don't remember who made the video, but I, somebody like absolutely infuriated at the way the infinity stones worked and et cetera. Like we were talking about earlier, yeah. but it's just like, if you're hell bent on deciding that like, this is the way it's supposed to be and that it doesn't make sense. And it's a plot hole that Loki used them this way. Then like, yeah, everything's a plot hole for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, like, and some, don't get me wrong, some plot holes are worse than others, and they're so glaringly yeah. bad that you can't, it, you know, it's like, I can't overlook this. This is just a bad one. But some of them are like, okay, I just accept that this is how it is. For example, yeah, yeah. I always bring up in Infinity War, Thanos explains what his mission is, and the first question that comes to mind, somebody like me, who obviously questions everything, is why don't you just create double the resources, right? You're, you're wiping out half the population. Why don't you just create more resources, or not even double, just create more resources so that this is not an issue. But that poses different problems. And I'm assuming Thanos has thought about that at some point because Thanos is a genius. Yeah. And it's just, you just have to accept that his solution is cutting the population in half. That's the fuck what he wants to do. That's what Thanos has decided he wants to do. And Thanos is in his right state of mind. There's no dark hold uh, making him do this. He, this is his will. His will is I want to kill half of everything that lives. So that's what he wants to do. He's hell-bent on doing specifically that. They never told us that the Infinity Stones can't create more resources. They never bring it up. And they're like, fuck it. This is what we want our villain to do. And this is what our villain is going to do. And he accomplishes that. It, and, I, and I love Thanos. I love him. So it's like, all right, I, I accept. Like, I literally accept the fact that he doesn't do the obvious. Why don't you just create more resources? And he's just like, no. So, yeah, as long as you don't go looking for, you know, oh, but then what about all of these things that happen? They all mean nothing now. Cause I know a lot of videos around on YouTube and stuff where they're like, everything that ever happened is invalidated. Now, every moment that you've ever liked and every Marvel movie doesn't matter because it was all predetermined. Every time Tony Stark saved someone where he flew this plane or this bomb into space and risked his life. Depends, for it. Yeah. But see, the thing is, here's 
this is interesting though, right? Because it depend once again, it depends on how you look at it, and it depends on whether or not you want to ruin things for yourself or whether or not you want to be happy, whatever, right? Because you could argue, right? If let's say everything is written, every absolute thing is written and predetermined. However, to some degree, it's like there's a reason why certain people were given certain roles. There's a reason why Tony Stark is the one that will sacrifice himself and not Osama bin Laden. Right. It's, and you know, so like, <laughs> if if Tony Stark is the one that ends up doing all these things, you can still appreciate all those things because in his like he is the kind of person that would have wanted like it. Yes. To me, it seems more so. It's less that like. Kang or whoever wants to write every little thing that happens, it's more so he's keeping everybody in line. And you're so right, because Stark, who he is, and he'll keep him being himself, but on a path that doesn't cause a next uh, an event. You yes. know what I mean? So you're right about that, too. And the show actually does go into that. The other Lokis, when we meet them in episode 5, there's an old Loki, and he's actually played by a famous actor, too. I forget his name. But yeah. there's an older Loki. He's the oldest one there. There's a kid... There's a black Loki. I'm just going to call him black Loki. And there's a crocodile called Croaky. Uh, So there's the older Loki. And he explains that at one point he went to some desolate place and he ruled there. And then he decided that he was bored and wanted to see his family again. And when he tried to come back, the TVA got him. Yeah. Uh, so he deviated from the Loki characteristics, right? Like he did something that just wasn't in Loki's character. And that's he started to care about people. And this is shown again when Loki, the two Lokis, you know, Loki's is a narcissist. He fell in love with himself. Uh, when the two Lokis touch, right, and they start to have that moment where they kind of fall in love, it creates a nexus event as well. So anytime Loki starts to care about people, this happens. Like, that's a ne it's a nexus event in itself for Loki to care about people. And that, it's kind of sad, but yeah. but that's who his, that's his role, right? Like, that's, uh, according to you know, Kang in the sacred timeline, that's your role. Your role is that if you care about anyone, you are deviating from who you're supposed to play, like the role you're supposed to play. Yep. So, and I think some people are probably like, some people are given more leeway than others. Yeah. Uh, but Loki obviously is given a lot less leeway. I guess you brought it up. We can talk about it. Cause this is another contentious thing, but I think it's interesting. The whole idea of Loki falling in love with himself, falling in love with another Loki. Um, I thought it was really cool because it it does two things at the same time. Quick it question. shows how did you yeah, see it coming? Because I this shit, I can see that coming a mile. Once, oh. they, once they reveal yeah, Sylvie, yeah. I said these two. I don't know. I was like, I hope they don't have a sex scene because that's a bit much. But I was like, these two are for sure gonna somehow they, end up together. They made it. It didn't feel like they <laughs> hit it. You know, what I mean? like it, it felt like as soon as it was like, as soon as it was revealed, it was like. They started flirting right away. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of, they started talking about, like, people they dated and how relationships did it. It's like, yes. all right, well. Like, it, <laughs> it got, it, like, they, they did not bury the lead at all. But um, <laughs> my point, but I think it's really interesting to have Loki fall in love with himself from another timeline. Because, first, it does two things. One, shows how absolutely, like, he's still an absolute narcissist. Yes. Because he's still falling in love with himself or in love with himself. But it also simultaneously creates a paradox because he is in love with someone else. Regardless of the fact that it is still a Loki from another timeline, Correct. it is still not physical. It's not him. It's not. It's it is a different entity. Yeah. And at the end of the day, Loki always puts his actual self number one. So the fact that he's in love with another person, even if it is another Loki, it 
it shows that caring and that loving it's it's like a not narcissistic trait right. while still being super narcissistic yes because it's, it's you a, you from a different you from a different universe but also uh not completely you because you know the anatomy of a woman for one she's lived a completely different life than he has right she's been on a run since she was a little girl yep uh, so it's it's just a really cool paradox, and I don't I, I really enjoyed it. I know there's a lot of people that don't like that, and they think it's weird. There's also people that think it's like wrong because it's like self incest. <laughs> I just want I, I want I want everybody the real like just that's relax. Not, it doesn't exist. That yeah, it's not. Oh, I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that. It just doesn't yeah. fucking exist. So calm down. Like, like we can't put any, we can't make self incest illegal. Like that doesn't. It's yeah. It's, it's just not, not real. real. Like it's, it's this is fantasy. So it's you know, and there are two consenting adults, as I always say. I don't even fuck what they do. There are two consenting adults. Anyway, while we're on the topic of this, though, I did want to bring up the fact that this is a show where Loki confirms that he is bisexual. It you if you if you're not paying attention, you can miss it. But it's when they're on the train on Lamentus One, the planet that's about to be destroyed by the moon. Uh, so. They're on this train trying to escape or whatever, and at some point they have a conversation, and he talks about he how he's had romantic relationships with princes and princesses in the past, and so that is like a quick little blurb, but it's just confirmation that Loki is indeed bisexual, which is something that is true to his comic character. In fact, Loki is into all types of weird shit in the comics. He's yeah, been, he is. He's been an animal before. He's been pregnant before. So this is not out of left field for people who know Loki from the comics. Uh, I don't actually read American comics at all. I read manga, but I noticed because I just researched Loki as a character a while ago. I, I kind of researched a lot of the mainstream Marvel characters just to know about them outside of whatever is shown to us by Disney and Marvel Studios. But yes, yep. Loki is bisexual. This is confirmed in episode uh, like four or five or whatever. And yeah, it's just a thing that they they kind of threw in for us. It's like a little Easter egg for people who actually know that Loki Loki's sexuality is not just uh, linear. You know, he's kind of on a spectrum of, of things. So I thought that was cool. They just put that representation in there, but they didn't, they didn't like focus on it after that. You know what I mean? Like they didn't make it. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, it's like real life. It's just like, this exists. Okay. Moving on. Exactly. Like it didn't, it's not, it doesn't define his entire being. It's like, Oh, this character is bisexual. Cool. And then they just kind of continue with the story. So I liked that it. It wasn't, you know, constantly thrown in our faces over and over again or anything like also that. Didn't, like, impede like it was just there like it yeah, just in a conversation just, that they were having called for it it, it was, was like yeah if we're talking about romantic stuff right you have, where's your love life going where's it been yes that type of thing makes sense in that context we're just having and he was also drinking <laughs> he yeah, was, yeah, he's, yeah. he's getting drunk uh you know you're having a couple drinks you're talking to somebody and clearly he's interested in sylvie right so he's like hey i just want to let you know like this is it's know. also cool because at least for boys for girls it's different for boys, it's so like usually in media, they're either straight or they're gay. It's I th- I think it's really rare that there's yes. bisexual bisexual men in media. Yeah. Like that, it's like a lot more rare than gay men. You're right. I never, I, I I wouldn't say never, but I guess I haven't thought about it much. But there aren't many bisexual characters in media that I can point to, like in fantasy genre things or anything. Like I don't really know many characters that I can call the top of my head that are blatantly bisexual yeah and like that is also a determination of like there are people that are bisexual right yes, and they exist they, they don't necessarily all the way relate to a gay character so to speak yeah. so it is cool that yeah. representation is, is definitely uh something that is welcome you know it's always welcome so i'm glad that they, they threw that in there and they didn't make it 
like some crazy big deal. It's just like, hey, this is a thing. And yeah, for people who might be watching that, who might be bisexual, maybe they're like, oh, I see myself in Loki. You know, I see something that represents me in this media. Themselves, <laughs> they might see Loki inside. Tom Hiddleston's attractive. He's an attractive guy. He is an attractive guy. You can't, you yeah, can't hold Tom, him. There's nothing wrong with Tom. Tom, Tom's an attractive guy. But yeah, so they're on a uh, lamentous one. They end up there. Uh, what exactly happened? So I guess the first thing is that let's go back to when they first meet. So they use the bubble gum to determine what doomsday scenario the other Loki is likely hiding in, and they end up at this before a hurricane is about to attack this convenience store somewhere. Yeah. And uh at first this random guy is over by some plants and they kind of question him. He's like, I'm just buying plants, like no big deal. But apparently it was actually the Sylvie, the other Loki, she has completely taken over this guy's body, I guess. Like it's one of her abilities, it's one of their abilities. And as she touches uh Hunter B fifteen, she also then goes inside of her body. And then she kind of goes into like some really big guy who looks like he works on a farm. She kind of moves around by touching other human beings. She can kind of move. You see this green effect happen on her arm. And she can kind of move between people by just touching them. It's really broken, actually. So she kind of shifts her consciousness around. And at some point, her and Loki get into an actual fight. A lot of controversy over that fight because Loki kind of gets beat up a bit. And he never uses his powers, really. And In fact, I think the only thing that he ended up doing this entire fight was he grabbed one of those little self-vacuuming circle robot things, you know, the ones that you kind of put down on the ground in your yep. apartment and they just start vacuuming on their own. It's like a little circle disc. He grabs one of those at one point, but that's about it. And he never does anything else with his magical powers. And honestly, up until this point, I completely forgot that Loki could do a lot of things because he just, one, he tried to use the stuff in the TVA and we know it doesn't work there, right? Like none of his abilities really work where the TVA is. And then he finally gets back to, I guess, a place where they do, which is like Earth, and they don't work there either. Uh, so when he when he has the opportunity to use them finally, you know, he doesn't have any collaring around him anymore. He doesn't have any thing impeding his abilities. He doesn't really do much. He gets beat up by this this Sylvie inside of this big farmer's body. And then she's like, hey, I'm out. I'm going to this other place. Uh, I just found out where the TVA is located because that's what the whole point of her capturing C-20 was earlier in the show. So, like, the agent that went missing from the TVA that they were looking for in the beginning, Sylvie captured this person, and she enchanted her, got into her mind, figured out where the TVA is located because she wants to... Well, we at the time, we don't really understand what her motive is. Loki thought that he... She just wanted to, like, rule over the timekeepers. And she's like, yeah. that's actually not what I want. She so, just wants revenge. She wants revenge for her life. So she uh, opens a portal. She walks through it in, this, in the supermarket, in this convenience store. And the TV agents, you know, like Mobius, everybody, B-15, they're all running towards uh, the main Loki, Tom Hiddleston's character. And he thinks about it for a while because he could just go back with them or he could follow her because for whatever reason, the portal doesn't close. And so he decides that he's going to follow Sylvie. So he walks through the portal with her and then uh, the portal immediately disappears at that point. And they next episode, they end up at TV headquarters. And then, you know, going from there, I think the only significant things that really happen, they fight through a bunch of TVA agents. She beasts a bunch of them. She's really broken. Of course, uh, she can just fight because you know her magic and stuff doesn't work there, but she can just fight. She just beats a bunch of them up. And it gets to a point where uh, they have to escape. So her and Loki escape to Lamentus One. Uh, yep. And this is where they end up on a planet that apparently it's the worst catastrophe 
in all of time. Like it is the like the moon crashing into this planet is the worst catastrophe that's ever happened. The worst doomsday scenario ever. And they're having like an end of the world party, if I remember. Like yes. the whole planet, because the whole planet knows that there's <laughs> no saving them. They're all going to die. And so they're having like an end of the world party. Yeah. And there's like a little arc being built that's going to save some people, but most people are just going to die, of course, which is what yeah. I'd imagine. I'd imagine real life will go something very similar, right? Like not everyone's going to be able to get on. Probably the rich people, you know, people. And that arc gets destroyed anyway, right? Yeah. If yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah, the art yeah. doesn't make it. Like, nothing <laughs> makes it. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes it a real doomsday scenario, though, right? Like, yeah. Because it would be easy to have a Nexus event if if the, a Nexus event means that, uh, well, I guess a doomsday event means that everyone's supposed to really die, right? So that no matter what happens, you can't change the timeline. But if there's an arc that actually escapes, and let's say different people got on it, that would create a Nexus event every time. Like, oh, you weren't supposed to be on the arc, but you got on the arc this yeah. time. That would be tragic. Yes. So they get to Lamentus one and they're arguing and going back and forth. And this is where I start to really get the hints that, oh God, these two like each other because it reminds me of the whole Ash and Misty situation where yeah. Misty was always chewing out Ash in the anime and come to find out she actually likes him a lot. Also, hey Arnold, and what was her name? Helga. Uh yes. you know, same thing. She's always chewing out Arnold whole time. She has a fucking shrine for this man. So Sylvie has this super tough skin. Um She's always really mean to to Tom Hiddleston's Loki, and the whole time, you know, they are feeling each other in a weird way, but they don't know how to express it, so they talk back and forth, and they're looking for a way to get off this planet, because it's like, I'm not trying to fucking die here, and a time pad, for whatever reason, the time pad's battery is dying. Like, the time pad, you know, they can go anywhere in time, but it literally has a low battery, so they need to find a way to recharge it, and they, they run into this random farmland, they go into this lady's house to try to become her husband. Doesn't work. And they find out that, oh, this random arc that's leaving has the power you'll need to actually, you know, repower your time pad and get the fuck off this planet. Long story short, none of this works out for them. Like, literally, everything that they try from the train, they get attacked, they fight while drunk. Uh, they get to the arc. The arc is all shit. That goes to hell. Uh, there's a really cool scene. In this, in this episode, though, where a fucking building is about to fall on both of them. And Loki turns around and just, like, puts his hands up. The building completely stops midair, and he just, like, pushes it back up and into the place where it was. And that, to me, that was just in some insane power scaling, because I, I couldn't... I was like, holy shit. If you see the size of it that was about to fall on, it was huge. It was really big. And he just turns around, puts his hands up, stops it, pushes it back to where it belongs, and it just stays upright. And then they just keep running. Uh, but they make it to a point where they realize nothing worked. The arc, like, like Kenny said, the arc ends up getting destroyed. Uh, they couldn't power their time pad. It's not working. But luckily for them, the TVA ends up finding them when they touch each other in a very intimate way. At the end of the episode, the TVA shows up because they created a Nexus event by just touching. And I guess if yeah. you want to be really cheesy about it, you could say their love for each other was the Nexus event, whatever you want to call it. But yes, yeah, yeah but but that I mean, because they even say it's it's like the most aggressive next event ever created. Like yeah. the, they show the graph and the timeline splitting. It's like so it's like going straight the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they're like, have you ever seen anything like this? And they're like, no. And so it's like the, the super aggressive, crazy Nexus event. And that kind of forces the action even through an apocalypse, apparently. And it, it forces the TBA to go there. And um Essentially, that that ends up saving because does what's his name 
die in quotes and does uh mobius die in this episode because mobius ends up getting hit with the stick i just don't remember what episode is it is it in- I, f- I forget exactly which episode he dies and i know that the main thing that came out of the episode on lamentus one was just loki asking her how do you enchant people and she tells him you know i use their memories from like hundreds of years ago in some cases some people are harder than others and he says wait a second what do you mean hundreds of years ago and she's like oh like the people the tva people who have been in- enchanting I was using their old memories. And he's like, I, I thought that they don't have memories. I thought they were created for the purpose of being in a TVA. And that's like the major, yeah, out of the entire yeah. episode, that was the major plot point. And so they kind of just tucked that away though. Like they have that conversation and it's like, oh, that's interesting. So the TVA people were not created like they thought they were. And they actually were humans. And then they kind of go back, you know, they get captured by Mobius and everybody like that. And then they end up going back to, uh, back to the TVA place. And yep. I, I think the other thing is, What's the name of the main... I won't say that she's evil, but she plays like the judge, Renslayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Renslayer is the very judge. Important. Yeah, Renslayer is the judge that's like in the very beginning of the show that's kind of sends him to be pruned before Mobius vouches for him and says, hey, I can use him. And uh, she's been hiding a lot of secrets. She clearly knows something about the timekeepers and stuff. So as they go yeah, back she to... She doesn't know everything, but she knows more than everyone else. She clearly knows more than everyone else. And she's blatantly avoiding certain questions um you know the agents don't know about their original lives and I, i'm assuming that she doesn't either but she knows like you said she knows more than they know about she is remembering her life mm-hmm. before she was a tva agent and you know that's kind of bugging her because it's like well i'm not supposed to have any memories of anything else like what what is this and then at some point mobius now has loki back in custody and they're talking he's like hey i want to know what you guys were talking about i want to know what's going on and they both lie to each other. Uh, Mobius says that they deleted Sylvie, right? And it visibly makes Loki upset. Like, he, you can tell it affects him. And then that's when he realizes, oh, God, you're more narcissistic than I thought. Like, you fell in love with yourself. <laughs> and that's like a whole thing. Uh, but then Loki tries to tell him the truth. Like, hey, you guys are actually all variants. And you were stolen from your timeline. And this is a big thing, you know. Uh, also, at some point during all of this exchange... And I guess before this, when Loki and Sylvie were bonding, she explains the reason why she's been hiding in Doomsday scenarios and that when she was a kid, and they actually show it, she was just chilling, playing with a toy. And they said, oh, you created a Nexus event, so you need to be sentenced to trial. And they show her going to the trial with the judge. And at the time, it's a different judge than Renslayer. So there's someone else uh, at her trial at the time. So Renslayer wasn't always a judge. And she bites she bites Renslayer, I guess, or whoever is holding her hand, and she just, like, runs away with the time pad and escapes, and she's been on a run ever since then. And when they show that flashback, she is an actual child. So her entire life has been watching the destruction of tons of human beings over and over and over again just to not get captured by the TVA. That's her existence, which is actually a terrible existence to have, which is why she's so hell-bent on you know, getting back to the TVA and getting revenge, whatever that means for her. So that's why she wants to meet the timekeepers. Who, yeah, I mean, yeah. you gotta imagine what that does to your psyche. Like, there's a reason why she's a little fucked up. Yes, it and makes that, sense. that comes into play later in the last episode, too. Yes. So, you know, uh, Renslayer, at some point, um, Mobius finds out about Renslayer, steals the time pad, and he goes into the library. He starts watching Renslayer's time. Like, he swaps his with hers, I think. And he starts watching, finds it out that Renslayer was lying about certain events as he's watching it. And then uh, at some point, they capture Mobius. 
he gets deleted or what is it called pruned and then they go to the timekeeper's sanctuary place uh sylvie cuts off one of their heads finds out that they're fake then loki gets pruned in the back and then sylvie has this little back and forth it's like a little back and forth with renslayer about all these other events but at the end of it sylvie prunes herself and now we get to you know the meat and potatoes which is the void area loki wakes up you find out that pruning doesn't actually kill you he wakes up and there's a bunch of loki standing over top of him <laughs> including a crocodile <laughs> and a croaky and yeah so they have like this little hideout that's literally someone's basement they just have like a fucking like a little basement shaft that they go into and they hide out from uh Eliath, the, the shadow creature. And they and talk. Like, isn't there like a Loki biker gang too? Like there's like. Yes. Like all of the residents here are Lokis. <laughs> yeah. It, for whatever reason, Lokis are the only ones who survive in the void. And that's kind of a theme of Loki. That's kind of one of his roles though. I remember when Sylvie asked, what is our defining characteristic? Is it just that we always lose? And he says, no, we survive. We never die. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, they kind of push that in the show too, because Normally, people go to this area and they just get eaten by a life, and that's the end of their existence. Like you, that's it. That's it for them. If you're a variant, you go here and you get eaten, and that that's the end. But Loki's, for whatever reason, there's t- there's tons of them, and they're just alive. They got this little basement, this little biker club thing going on. But because they're Loki's, they backstab each other. <laughs> and so while they're trying to come up with a plan and all this other stuff. Uh, they literally start to backstab each other. So three of the Lokis escape. I think it's the youngest, the youngest one who's actually considered like the king of this domain because his Nexus event was that he actually killed Thor. Yeah. So that was cool. Uh, that was a cool little reveal. They were like, like, this guy right here. He's the one. He killed Thor. He, he's a child. Like he is a kid. He's probably a teenager, he looks like. But yeah, he killed Thor. So he's like the king of this void area where Eliath is at. And uh you know, Mobius ends up there and everything. Well, he's already there. Uh, what is it? Sylvie's there. They end up in a little pizza car somehow, and they literally use that car to outrun Eliath as he's trying to get to them. The car is enough to get away from him, so he's not that threatening, if we're being completely honest. But Loki comes up with this idea that he wants to kill Eliath, and Sylvie thinks that that's a terrible idea, and her idea is that I want to enchant Eliath. And he's like, well, that's also a terrible idea. How the fuck are you going to enchant that? Look at it. It's a fucking cloud of smoke. Like, what are you going to do? There's nothing to hold on to. She's like, no, I actually, and they showed it briefly, but while she was almost about to be killed by it, she briefly linked with it and saw something. It's really quick when they do it in the show, but she's like, I feel like I can enchant it, but I need a distraction in order to do it. And they try to distract it. It doesn't really work that well, but the oldest Loki uh, he decides to create this gigantic Asgard illusion. Like he just resu- he he literally erects this gigantic green cool ass CGI Asgard, and it gets Elias' attention. And then they're able to together by holding hands, Loki and Sylvie enchant Elias, and it reveals this citadel, which then reveals where uh, Kang is. That's how they go. That's how they end up finding him and moving toward where the last episode is. Yeah. Do you, so we talked about that a little bit. I want to talk a bit about Miss Minutes. Yes. First as soon all, as they get there, yeah. Let's talk about Miss Minutes. Go ahead. She when they she when they get there, she you want to talk about creepy? Like how we were talking about the anime. It, it was so creepy, Miss Minute, because she's like this friendly demeanor and like the way she. It's like. It's like Miss Min, Minutes is the final villain. Like, this yeah, is, I thought like, that sounds like oh god. 
Like it was so weird and interesting. The way and, like, she was talking was different too. So yeah. they, they get there and Miss Menace makes them a deal. She's like, Hey, uh, I can send you guys back to your timelines. I can give you all the infinity stones and I can, uh, make it where you beat the Avengers. And she offers them this crazy deal where they're basically they're going to go back to a timeline and be gods and they're going to rule. They're going to beat the Avengers. They're going to have the infinity stones. They're going to be, everything's going to be great. And we don't know if she's telling the truth or lying, right? Like you have no yeah. idea. You're just kind of taking her word for it. But both the Lokis, I guess, come to the same conclusion. We've made it this far. We're not turning back. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's a, there's a cool theory, I guess. I didn't know about this until super recently because I didn't even know Ant-Man 3 was going to be a thing. But there's a theory that has come out of this where, so initially, I think everybody thought, and it's maybe still the case that Miss Menace was being controlled by the one at the end of time, right? Yep. But some people now think that maybe not every Miss Minutes appearance, maybe some of them, maybe sometimes, maybe all the time, who knows, but it was actually being controlled by another one of the Kangs, um, the one that's going to be in Ant Man 3. Oh. No, no. So the one in Ant Man 3. The whole premise of Ant-Man 3 is that it's going to deal with the quantum dimension. Yeah. And as we learned from Endgame and Infinity War, when Ant-Man went to the quantum realm, that the quantum realm is also a place that exists outside of time. Correct. So there's, it's possible that there's a Kang the Conqueror that exists in the quantum realm, and that one did something with Miss Menace, because when she says to Renslayer, she's like, she says, like, he... She wants to do something. And he she says like Miss Menace does like he has other plans for you or like he thinks yeah. you can be better used somewhere else. And we and never get first, anything out of that really. Yeah, you don't you don't learn at all what that means. And at first, at least I was led to believe that when you get to the end, that it was him. It was the boss that that did that. But maybe yeah. it wasn't him. Maybe it was this other Kang. That that's a good theory. I like that. I, I like that. Uh, there was probably someone else controlling him because. We also know that this this show, this is season one for sure. Out of all the other Marvel shows that maybe one and done's, Loki for sure will have a season two because just the way it ends, the way it sets up for future yeah. plots of the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. But yeah, there's certain stuff in this episode that just we don't really get. Like when you said Miss Menace speaks to Renslayer and says he has other plans for you, we don't really know what she's talking about because we don't get to see anything after that with Renslayer. That's the last, pretty much the last time you see Renslayer the entire series. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, she makes this deal that they reject, and then they end up meeting Kang in the elevator. And that's what I mentioned earlier in the podcast, where uh, Sylvie tries to kill him immediately. He dodges everything by teleporting around with a tempad. He has like this bracelet that allows him to have complete control over time, and a lot of his powers, I guess, come from that. It's so interesting to think though that this guy is supposedly just a human, though. Yeah, he's just a human from a thousand. He's just he's an incredibly smart human. He was a scientist. Yeah, he's brilliant. like one of the smartest people but, from his time. But he's he's not a so, like, Thanos is a titan. Thanos, yep. Thanos is a different species altogether. He is not human. He is way bigger than a normal human. He's way stronger. Uh, he's also super intelligent. He's faster. You know, he his technology, I would also say, is, is higher than the Avengers because when he was beating the shit out of Cap's shield, it was just getting destroyed. Like, whatever yeah. weapon he uses is clearly more powerful than whatever the shit, well, we know is vibranium. Whatever that shield's made out of in our time, vibranium, it just doesn't hold up to whatever Thanos has. But at yeah. the same time, Thanos, a lot of things you can explain away, like, well, Thanos is from a different planet. He's way stronger. He's different. But Kang is literally just using tools and technology. And it's so advanced that he can, what seemingly looks like, control time and teleport and know everything and live forever 
and all types of wild, wild, wild feats that are way beyond Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet, if I'm being honest. Like, the shit that he... Controlling time, like, having Dominion over all time like that, like, in the, in the universe that they're in, Kang has complete control over time. He has been literally stopping anything that deviates from this sacred timeline forever. That's insane. Like, everything that happened with Thanos had to happen, and if it tried to deviate, he would have stopped it. So, yeah, he's, he's ridiculous. Ugh. But he mentioned something like, uh, I think I think one of the Loki says, well, why didn't we just skip to this part? Because he said, uh, I kind of made the path for you guys to get here. And they're like, well, why put us through all of that nonsense? And why didn't you just summon us here from the get-go? He's like, everyone knows it's always the journey that changes you on the way. Mm-hmm. And you know, that line is kind of cheesy, right? Because people say like, oh, what's the One Piece? It's like, oh, it's the journey with your friends. Like, stuff like that. Yeah. Like, it's, it's always that cheesy. A lot of movies in the past have used that. Like, not anymore. I think things have gotten a lot more detailed and in-depth with the media that we consume nowadays, they don't try to use cheesy things like that, right? Like, people thought that the ending of Naruto was going to be Jiraiya closing the book and saying, all right, well, that was the end of that. But in reality, he's like, yeah, the journey changes you. And it did, though. Like, Loki, prior to everything he went through in the first five episodes, was a completely different person. Very selfish. He, never he considered anyone lot, else. Like he, the journey was important. Like the, And what was cool was that it, it also illustrated... Because when you get to the end... What what ends up happening is like that crucial where they butt heads. The two Lokis butt heads because, yes. and initially he's like in agreement with her, and then like he's not going to try to just like rule it or whatever. He's he gonna, actually wants to relinquish. Will. Yes, he wants to relinquish control because he said he's tired. He's been doing it for so fucking long, which is obvious to us because he's been doing it as far as time goes back, and that he's he exists at the edge of time, like the end of it. So. He says he wants to relinquish it to Loki to basically rule over everything in his in his place so that I guess he can just go fuck off and die or something. Yeah. And they're like, uh, why us? And he's like, who better? You know, like, who better to do this than, than you two? And that, that part to me is still a little bit like, eh, I don't know if they're, if they're necessarily the best people to rule over time and, and make sure that everything goes according to plan. But for whatever reason, Kang, as smart as he is, that's the world that he sees is best for everybody is if Loki sits on the throne and does his job for him. And at the end, they reject it. And Sylvie just wants to kill him. This is very obvious. And then it gets to that weird scene where he's like, you know, I knew everything up until this point. So everything that happens from here, I have no idea. And he takes off. He takes off his bracelet. And his bracelet has all that time magic to it. I'm going to just call it. And uh, he takes it off. And he's like, whatever you want to do from here on out, you can do. But I'm letting you know right now, if I die, this is what's going to happen. And so when she's about to kill him, the other Loki steps in, like our Loki. He steps in to stop Sylvie and they start arguing. She's like, oh, here's when you're going to you're going to backstab me. You just want all the power for yourself. You want to take the throne for yourself. And he's like, Sylvie, no. Like, did you hear what he said? Yeah. And this is it's interesting because this it creates this weird dynamic where. The old Loki would have wanted to just rule everything. Yes. That's what Loki would have done. But the new Loki wants to rule everything, but not because he wants to rule everything. Yeah. Because he heard this story and, like, he's been convinced that this Kang fucker is going to just ruin everything. Yeah, and he also doesn't want to rule over people who don't have real free will. Yeah. It's just not, that's not real. Like, none of it's real at that point. It's like, well, if I can just control everything... That's not fun. Like, I want people to try to rise up against me so I can fight them off. And yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. if I can literally prune people 
and then reset the timeline, what the fuck is the point? It would get boring very quick. It's like when you play a game with game shark codes back in the day when we were kids. And you yeah, pop, it's you, fun. And it, you think it's going to be fun. And yeah. then it's actually just really boring. Yeah, after a while, it just it runs thin. Like You have your fun. Grant the fault. You put it all in cheat codes. But after a while, you get bored. You're like, all right, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So I get why he's like, that's empty to me. But she doesn't believe him, and rightfully so, because she knows how Loki's think. And like you said, the old Loki would have for sure thought, oh, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to have basically infinite power. If I put that bracelet on and he t- he shows me the ropes, you know, train me and everything. He shows me the ropes. This is, this is amazing, but he doesn't want it. And she doesn't believe him. So they fight and it's not too much of a fight, but at the end of it, they kiss. She tricks him because she's a Loki, right? So she tricks him. They kiss and she uses the power of that bracelet to send him back to the TVA. And we think it's the same TVA that we've been watching this entire show. But when he gets back to the TVA, he sees Mobius and B-15 talking and he runs up to him and he's like, hey, you know, we have to like stop what's going to happen and all this other stuff. And they're like, where are you from? Yeah, they don't. They're like, who the fuck are you? What's interesting is they don't even recognize him as a Loki. No. Whereas before everybody knew what Lokis were, like they don't even recognize him as a Loki. He, they, they don't know who they he is They thought that all. he was like an accounting or something. They're like, where are you? What part? Yeah. Of, what division do you work in? And he looks at them confused. Then he looks over. He sees a statue of Kang. <laughs> and that's how you know that shit is already popping off because Sylvie, when they go back to the Citadel, Sylvie has stabbed and killed uh, the Kang that we see there. So they never awesome. call him that blatantly in Loki, but it, it is him. Yeah, it's it's Kang the Conqueror. And it's it's so interesting because like you said, this is the this is the first of the Marvel shows that we saw where it was like, oh, this is getting a season two. And then eventually it got confirmed that it is getting a season yes. two. But it was like, oh, this is getting a season two. Yeah. There's no way it's not. I really, really like this one. This this is one of the the better ones for yep. sure. The other thing that was heartbreaking is that part at the end where Loki's like pleading with Sylvie. Yeah. It's like the first time in his whole life where he's not trying to trick someone. Yes, but like he's actually being genuine. What's so crazy about that is I get it from her perspective too, because this is exactly what he would do to trick someone. It, it, it is. And that's it's like it's like the boy who cried wolf. It's like the how you were saying, like the journey, it's like a cheesy thing, but a lot of those cheesy things have merits in reality. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Like that situation where she doesn't believe him, like it really, it's like a boy who cried wolf kind of thing. Like when the wolf really comes, like no one believes you because this yeah. is exactly what we're doing anyway. Yeah, she doesn't believe him. So I get it from her perspective because this is exactly what a Loki would do to trick someone, but he's being genuine in this moment. So it, it, it's a pretty good show. I actually really liked it. I was very entertained by it. I like how they dealt with time. I liked all the back and forth. I like the fact that Loki gets explored more as far as, you know, him falling in love with himself and, you know, all other things about him watching his parents die and learning that being told by Mobius anyway, that Loki's just exist to make other people better, which is a, is a fucked up thing to tell somebody. Yeah, it is. To tell somebody yeah. your existence, your entire existence is to make other people the best, their best selves. It's like, what the fuck? That's yeah. just not what anyone wants to hear. Like, that's my entire purpose is just to make other people. I'll never Man. be the the bride. I'll always be the bridesmaid. Like, what? And that aside, those two characters, though, throughout the whole show, the conversations, because a lot of the show is just like, it really is just people talking a yes. lot of times. Like, there's yes. not big action sequences. Like, there is, but there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not focused but on that. 
a lot of the shows are people talking, and the conversations that Loki and Mobius have are always so engaging for just it being two people talking. Like, yeah, I actually like their conversation. So it's very interesting. I love the just, way Owen Wilson just stares at him. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes Loki will be ranting, and he'll just look at him, and you get tell. And I'm just like, okay, exactly. You could tell it, that's his way of calling his bullshit. Yeah, it's like you don't believe that, and neither do I. And and one of the main scenes where that is when he says we uh we pruned Sylvie when he was lying, when Mobius was lying about it, you know, Loki visibly is hurt by it, but he tries to pretend that he's not. And then you see Mobius start smiling like, you're so full of shit. <laughs> you're so full of shit. You're trying to act like you're, you're unbothered, but you are. So, pretty good stuff. Uh, okay, before we go any further, I would like to give a shout out to our patrons over at I Am Their Podcast Patreon. Check that out, guys. If you want access to exclusive content, we are going to be recording the exclusive Patreon-only episode for the month of June. We'll be doing that next week, and that will release next week. I'll put up the audio only. Kenny will put up the video, so you guys will have access to that. And yeah. we also have access to our Discord server that you can get by joining the Patreon, even at the lowest tier, which is only three bucks. Uh, and then you know, there's other perks and stuff. You can check that out if you go to Patreon and look up "I'm There Podcast." Uh, and then for everyone who is already subscribed of course every episode you guys get a shout out so without further ado we have connie austin leon quest garrett xavier hylian tcg automotive silver chronic tari tinsley dimitri barnes alexander brissett vinny casello uh giovanni avalos game freak yoshi alex flamer andre reynolds cj WK dad one saw at dabbers gaming cafe and also uh the owner of dank ritual we have dan Vrabel, dennis milburn joseph marcello red vines first to home dalas Fernares, tom wadabiki s akuma Mitchell Niles, Midwest Gaming, William Shapiro, Dimitri Safiridis, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey, KJ, Biz, Roz Weiss, Luke Feeney, and Nick Stango. Thank you guys so much for your support. It really goes a long way, and we really, really appreciate it. It's crazy that at this point we have 40 people on our Patreon, and the podcast is almost a year old. Uh, next month, this time, it will have been a year old. And we are coming up, you know, we're almost at episode like 80, I think. We're coming up on our 100th episode soon. So that's really cool that you guys have been rocking with us a lot of these people have been with us literally since the beginning there are some day ones here so special shout out to you guys who have been here from the very beginning and every time i read that list it's actually in the order that people subscribe to the patreon too it's like some people like connie austin leon quest garen xavier highly and tcg automotive you guys are like day ones like from the beginning i guess on that note for the 50th episode the special thing that we did was like we just talked about like 50 of our favorite things in general. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if anybody has any ideas what to do for episode 100, you know, shoot them into the air. Yeah. Yeah. We'll need some ideas because we can't possibly do a hundred. Cause we talk too much. The 50th episode yeah. was literally three hours long and we recorded it twice. We did record it twice. Cause the first recording got fucked up. We are dedicated <laughs> as fuck. It was a perfect storm. I'm terrible with audio. Just, you know, audio and me don't get along where it's like, it's fucking cursed. It's just cursed. <laughs> It's literally cursed. But yeah, we got there. And you guys really, really liked that episode. So we appreciate also, that. Also, that episode, like, even though it was 50, it was 50 for each of us. So, it, you know, it was like 100 things. Yes. So, like, we can't do 100 favorite things because yeah. that'll be 200 things. Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> it's way too much. So we have Yu-Gi-Oh! Nationals coming up in July. Really, really soon. Uh, so there's that. And I'm interested to see what comes out of that. I'm not sure if I'm going or not. I know people have asked me if I'm going to go. I kind of want to go to see everyone. But at the same time, like Monster Hunter comes out June 30th. I'm going to yep. be playing that a lot. And the national championship for Yu-Gi-Oh! is 
like 15 days into the month. So basically two weeks into... You're, you're still going to be on Monster Hunter. I'm going to be on Monster Hunter Heavy. And maybe I'll be a little like, okay, I've played it a lot and I'm already at the end game, which I assume in two weeks. I pro- Honestly, I probably will be because I, you know, their games aren't that long. It's just the end game is the grindy part is. But I'll probably have done everything as far as just the main game goes. And maybe I'll be a little burnt out and want to go go somewhere like Chicago. I haven't been to Chicago in a while. So I st- I'm still undecided. I say it all that to say, and I'm kind of liking that the format is a little up in the air right now. I was watching some of Tommy Rowe videos about what's been winning the other nationals. Cause all the other ones are before America's like there's the German one, the, the UK one. Uh, there's a bunch of them, but they've already had theirs and the results have been mixed, right? You got your Soul soul, you got your Despia, you got all these different decks. You got the, the most annoying card, mystic mind, that shit's doing what it's doing. Uh, some of the decks that have won, people didn't expect. So there's a lot happening around the world with nationals. And, and I'm interested to see how the American players adapt. Like, I don't actually play modern, but I do like following the meta. And so that's just cool to me you to see what you guys do. You know what I see? This is what I see happening if Fraser goes to nationals. I'm, I'm going to tell you all the real, I'm going to give you the real juice. If you listen to one of our Dale Bolito episodes, I don't remember which one. But Diabolito, on one of the episodes we had on, he talked about how him and a group of his friends went to a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament, whether it was a YCS or whatever. They go there, but at the time, they were really into this other card game they were playing. So they go to the Yu-Gi-Oh tournament, and they just really played this other game the whole time. They lost in the tournament. They're like, hey, do you want to go play this game? I think it was, I don't remember what it was called. Yeah, I don't remember They're just playing that card game. They were stopping at rest stops to play. Yep. Literally for three hours, yes. Frazier's going to go to Nationals and Take he's just going to play Monster Hunter. Yeah. Like that's, that's what's going to happen. That's very realistic that that could happen because the last Nationals I went to, I went in 2019. It was in Pittsburgh. So it's really close because I live in PA anyway. I live in Philly. So Pittsburgh's not that far. It's like a four and a half hour, five hour drive. Uh, so I went to Nationals in 2019. I think, I think so. And I went there and I played DC the entire time. I literally bought my DC cube and I just cubed with people the entire weekend and people were down yeah. to play which was so fucking fun and i wouldn't mind doing something like that even though i haven't been playing dc lately but i, I would love to do something like that with monster Hunter, and that's probably what would end up happening because yeah. i imagine unless konami has time wizard format events for me like edison format stuff there's nothing else for me to do like i'm not about to pick up a modern Yu-Gi-Oh deck I'm, that just does not speak to me i do i'm not yeah. interested but if they have edison format stuff there which i don't know if they do uh, which I actually, you know, heard about it. yeah, we probably would have heard about it. And actually, now that I said that, I'm going to go on Facebook and just ask Facebook blatantly: Is will there be time wizard format side events at nationals? And we'll see what comes out of that. But that would that would make me want to go for sure. Like if there were time wizard format uh, events at nationals, I would I would go. I would just go. Yeah. But as of right yeah, now, yeah, I don't, I don't. I think we would have heard about it heard about it so i, I kind of doubt it yeah um, but if there is that's cool but i, I think i'm gonna give you all the real fraser is going to go there i don't know you know somebody there is also going to be playing monster hunter he'll, he'll coordinate it ahead of time and he's going to play monster hunter on the on the ride there flight there whatever it is yes that molly's is, there that is actually correct uh also this weekend so let's see this saturday the 25th of june there is an edison format tournament happening but the way it works is so instead of it being an rbet really big edison tournament i think it's called really big charity tournament or something like that uh yeah really big charity tournament 
And the way it works is to get access to this tournament, you just have to donate $10 to any charity that you want and then send proof that you did it to, cool. to someone in the uh, format library. I think, I think it's not like the submissions for um, admission is not open yet to get into the tournament yet. Like you can't actually sign up for it. Sign yeah. up aren't open so yet. Basically, unlike the, the other tournaments are free to enter, this tournament has an entry fee, but not really. It's an entry fee, but you're... You're not giving it to the tournament organizers. You're right. just giving money to a charity. At first, I thought that it was, oh, give $10 to, like, I don't know, the person, and then they'll put it into a charity. Or maybe whoever wins, all the money goes to their charity or something like that. But it just works where you can donate to any charity that you want, which is a great cause. As long as you donate at least $10, you get access to this tournament. So That's I'm cool. probably going to play in that this Saturday uh, because I don't really have any other plans this weekend. And Moss Hunter Sunbreak still isn't out yet. It comes out next week. So I'm just counting down the days until that, but I really this want to play. This is the worst. I fucking hate this so... The week before a game is the worst week of your life every time. Especially in like, when you're a waiting, game like this. Yes, like, so what sucks... So I don't know if you know this, actually, but today, uh, a, a Nintendo Direct came out specifically for Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I had no there idea. There was a Nintendo Direct, and I was going to send it to you. I probably, I'll still send it to you if you yeah. want to talk about it yeah. more some, some other time, but... I, I knew we were talking about Loki today, so I was like, I don't, I don't, and I knew you were probably going to watch YouTube videos, so I didn't want to put something else on your plate. True. But I watched it. I, there was a Nintendo, it was like 20 minutes long or 30 minutes long. It was a Nintendo Direct. It was all about Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which is coming out uh, the month after Monster Hunter. And it looks so fuck like, it just looks so good. I'm really excited for it. But it just sucks because it's like, right now, I'm like in that week of burning desire for Sunbreak. Yeah. And then I know that one month later, Luckily, I'll, I'll still have Sunbreak to play. Yeah. But one month later, I'll be waiting for Xenoblade Three, and then like yeah. So I'm the good still, thing is, I'm still gonna be playing Sunbreak. It's gonna be fucking nonsense. Yeah. The good thing is, I think Sunbreak will literally hold you over for at least that month. Yeah. But right now, like you said, we are in that awkward moment where we don't have anything. Like, like we have stuff, but it doesn't make sense to start anything right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like for example, Monster Hunter World and Iceborne, it's 50% off on Steam. So I currently own Monster Hunter World Iceborne. I have it on Steam. I can play it whenever I want. I booted it up just to kind of, like, see it. Yeah. But I don't want to play it because, like, I don't want to get into another Monster Hunter game a week before I'm going to drop it for Sunbreak. Yeah, like, we're blatantly about to start playing Sunbreak. Next week, actually, next week at this time, we'll be recording a podcast episode, and then I'll be staying up until midnight, and Kenny's always up past midnight, but we'll be staying up because I hope and I assume... My God, I hope. That they the, better release at midnight. Man. I hope that the download will be available at midnight, or uh, maybe it might even come out earlier than that. I don't know how it'll work, because time zones, yeah. right? Like, I, in yeah, Japan, yeah. in Japan, which is ahead of us, from what I understand, Japan will already be in the next day or whatever. So I don't know what the Dude. global release time is. Like, if it's going to come out, maybe it will come out 8 p.m. on Wednesday night. Something like that. Yeah, it could also do like because I know some pl- some people do it regionally, so it'll come out at twelve in East Coast, but it still won't be out on West Coast. Okay, because it's not twelve yet. I hope it comes out midnight East Coast. I hope it's out because I'll get it at midnight and I'll just I'll stay up all night and get two hours of sleep for work the next day, whatever. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll that first night we're gonna play it. We're gonna try to learn, um, you know, get some. I already said I'm not getting an armor until I find a monster. I am, dude. I'm so excited to wear G rank wood armor. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not switching my shit. I will I'm be, so pumped. I will be in uh, the meta sets 
or rise, base rise, I'll be in those meta sets until it gets to a point where I literally can't take a hit. Like when it gets to a point where I'm holding the team back because me getting hit or me dying is like, okay, now I'm a liability. It's like, okay, I will switch now. I will finally Dude, switch off my meta sets. Something, I don't know why, but I'm so excited to wear G rank wood. Like I just. <laughs> G rank wood. I keep calling it that, but like I'm so interested to see if just like Iron Sword, like G rank Iron Sword, and I know it's called Master Rank in English, but G rank I think yeah. sounds cooler. Uh, G rank sounds say. way better. Um, and if anybody doesn't know, G stands for guts because Japan loves the word guts. But yeah, anyway, um, G rank Wood Sword, yo, is what I'm waiting. I want to fuck people up with. A There's G-rank a high chance that the, one of the first <laughs> weapons that we can make will literally be either as powerful or slightly very slightly under the best like great sword in all yeah. of rise the very so I mean, the very first sword iron, like the iron and bone versions you know there's like a bone weapon an yeah. iron weapon i'm just super interested to see what that is i'm also interested to see what like okay so in monster hunter rise there's the kimura i'm just going to call it the kimura sword yeah. but it's the and for the great sword it's like it's the it's made with like the Kimura metal from because you're in Kimura Village and it has the Kimura symbol. So I'm really interested to see what because we're going to be going to a different base, a whole different place. So I'm interested to see what like the next Kimura weapon is. Like, yeah, because it'll be different. I think right. It'll be the Elgato sword. And... Yeah, it will be different. There's a we're going to a completely different region. So it's like a Pokemon game. The region is completely yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, New yeah. monsters and everything. They're going to be different colors. I like how I'm so you know we I hope see, you guys aren't tired of hearing about Monster Hunter because let me tell you what you're going to hear on Thursday. Yeah, we're not Thursday because it won't be out yet. With the Sunday, whenever it is, yeah, you're going to be hearing the, about Monster the, Hunter. The first podcast after Sunbreak comes out will literally be all about just Sunbreak, as as expected, <laughs> right? Like that's just what's going to happen, and then we will get back to our regular scheduled stuff. Then uh, try to find time to consume other media. I mean, a lot of stuff is. We still haven't done podcasts that we already watched. And I do this at the end of every episode, but I always say we still got to do Death Note and Code Geass and Hunter Hunter and Yu Hakusho and all this other stuff, right? So there's a ton. I still got to do my um, Game of Thrones Misplays Part 2. Like Kenny and I will be doing yeah. that. I'll finish Season 3 and Season 4, two of my favorite seasons, Red Wedding and Tywin's Death. So there will be tons of stuff to go into that. You know, Tywin makes a misplay I, at some point. And then I think the next podcast we're doing is Hawkeye, right? Yeah, we're supposed to do Hawkeye this coming... So the next Monday's episode will be Hawkeye. So I have to watch Hawkeye between now and then, because I only saw episode one. So I'm going to speed run Hawkeye, and then... Yeah, yeah, I watched it. I actually watched it all in one day. I thought it was long. It's only six episodes. So it wasn't... And the episodes aren't that long either. It was so it was like Loki. Loki's uh, also six episodes. Yeah. So okay. I watched it. I, I was expecting to watch it like over two days, but... I just like watched it in a day. Okay, so bad. that means that Saturday actually, I probably can just squeeze Hawkeye in, and then we'll record about it on Sunday. So we'll be doing Hawkeye, get that one out the way, and then at some point we'll do Falcon and Winter Soldier as well. I saw that one a while ago. Don't really remember too much about it, but I will do a YouTube recap as I always do to get yeah. you know just a refresher. They just help. They do help. Yep. So, all right, guys. Well, uh, as I always say, do the things that make you happy. We're getting out of here. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode about Loki. And yeah, we're really excited. Unless the thing that makes you happy is rewriting the timeline, killing everybody and stealing free will. Don't do that. (laughs) Okay.
Thank you.